Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring John Martellero from the Mac Observer. We'll also call on Kirk McElhern because he is Macworld's iTunes guy. And we'll talk about all the great improvements of iTunes 12.4. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer first up on this week's episode of the Tech Night Out Live. And he always, when he joins us, sends me an agenda of things he'd like to talk about. What I then do is take things out of order and add a few things. Throwing me a few curves along the way. I throw him a few curves along the way because of the fact that maybe I like to play baseball with him. But I don't play baseball. I think I was a member of a little league for one week. When I was, you know, 32 years old or something. I don't remember. Uh, far, far ago. Anyway. In a galaxy far away. In a galaxy far away. Well, in a reality far away. As galaxy, as a galaxy, you see where I'm starting here. <laughs> as Apple moves from OS X to Mac OS, what's in store for users? And what you mean by the headline is the story that instead of calling it OS X, they'll call it Mac OS, but in the way the branding is done with iOS and watchOS and tvOS, a lowercase Mac with no. an uppercase OS. Upper, uppercase M, because Apple be- has a trademark on capital M-A-C, but does not have a trademark on little M-A-C. That's different that's from some of the rumors why, I've heard. I know, but that's it makes sense to me, because we have Mac Pro with a capital M. We had the Mac OS separated with a space in the middle back in the classic days. And so I'm following what Apple did back before OS X, when they called it Mac OS, two words, with a capital M, because that's what they have a trademark on. So I'm ignoring some of the articles that are using a lowercase m to remain in the style of watch OS and iOS and focusing on Apple honoring its trademark. So I think they'll be using a capital M. That's just me. That's my opinion. Well, they can always trademark the lowercase m. What's the big deal? Maybe. Remember, if the filing has been done, it's behind the scenes. You're not going to hear about it until the filing is registered. It just seems to me kind of like an Apple thing to do to to keep the big M and the Mac. I could be wrong. Okay, well, capital or lowercase m, that's just branding. What's it going to offer? So far, all I hear is Siri. Well, Siri will be an important addition. We've talked in the past, and when I say we, I mean you and me and the community, about issues with Siri on a Mac, which is often used in public places in a noisy environment, uh, whether it has a place on the Macintosh. But I think Apple's probably figured out that now that Siri's been put through its paces, uh, it's time to bring Siri to the Mac as well. The kinds of things we do on a phone are mobile. So when Siri first came out, I think Apple felt like You know, you do little short things on Siri, like Siri, call my mom or enter a calendar uh, event for me. These are kind of things where you're just going to, you know, pull your phone out, talk to it for a second, you know, do a little thing and you're done. And it's not really very taxing. But the problem with the Macintosh, as I've always seen it, is that as soon as Siri appears on the Mac, 
there's too big a temptation to press it into service, to do more challenging, more things with grander scope. And that's an opportunity to, be, to become frustrated with the early limitations of Siri. So I think Siri had to go through a maturation process before it was ready to be pressed into service on the Mac. Because once it's on the Mac, then we're going to be trying to use it for everything and we expect it to be perfect and do everything sort of like a, a Star Trek experience. The weaknesses of Siri are going to be more evident in a desktop environment. So that, I think that's why Apple wanted to wait and work, work some of the kinks out of Siri. Now, lest we forget, when Siri first debuted on the iPhone 4S, it was marked beta. It wasn't right. widely reported that way, but it really was. Right. Stayed beta for a long time. I think it's only been the last year or two that it's left the beta status. The other thing is, though, is that Apple's critics, of which there are always many, always wishing the company bad, always wishing the company would just die. They're <laughs> going to say, hey... Apple is a year late and a dollar short because the previous year, Cortana, Microsoft's digital assistant, debuted on Windows 10. I haven't had a chance to use Cortana yet. I've got Parallels running on my Mac, and I could fire up Windows 10 and play with Cortana, but I just haven't had the time. So I don't know what the relative experience is going to be like, but I do think that Cortana played a role in putting some pressure on Apple as well. Well, is that the same thing that we have split view on Macs and iOS, but that feature was already available on some tablets, Android tablets, and of course, Microsoft Windows? Well, Apple's way is to sort of be conservative and to implement features in a way that is, they think, pleasing and, and makes for a great user experience. Apple's competitors, on the other hand, are eager to roll out features that Apple doesn't have, and so for competitive reasons. So you'll see things appearing on other devices first, and then everybody says, well, what's Apple up to? And then Apple has to figure out a way to do it right. Remember how long it took Apple to put cut and paste into iOS? That took some thinking about how that really ought to be done. Apple thinks a lot about these designs and then, so that's why apple's a little late and i think that's probably a contributor to what kind of experience apple thinks that macintosh users ought to have with siri well my experience with siri on my mac would be to turn the darn thing off <laughs> i can promise you that right now let's say this with no hesitation no equivocation whatever when Siri debuts on OS 10 or Mac OS or whatever the heck it's called, probably for this fall's release, I probably will use it a few minutes to test it to see if it works. You know, make no mistake, the, the holy grail we're working towards here is a chat bot type experience, if you will, where we can carry on a, a, an intelligent, productive conversation with our machines eventually. We're not there yet, but it, that's where we're going, and that's got to start somewhere. So what's going to happen here is Siri will morph into the voice of the late Mrs. Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> and it'll morph into something like the Knowledge Navigator. And, and so that was an, an, a 1980s Apple concept. By the way, let's talk about that in a minute if you've got time, because one of the things that's notable about Apple's futuristic concept video f from the 80s 
called the knowledge navigator was this professor is talking to his artificial intelligent agent is that he's not using app there's a little bow tie guy there's some lore behind that guy you sit there and you have a chat with him and you say well call up this information do this show me that create a graph and the ai agent says oh by the way your mom's calling and he doesn't want to talk to her right now and he's busy and he so he puts her tells his agent put her on hold or tell her i'll call her back or something like that and none of this is an app you see you just raised an interesting point here instead of making our computer devices, whether it's a mobile device or desktop device, instead of making that computer app-centric, you make it task-centric. Do this task, right? and it'll figure out how. Now, yes, you can modify that with different apps and different features, but the end, we don't think that way anymore. We shouldn't think that way. The next wave of computing, we think about what we want to do rather than how we want to do it, depend on the computer for being smart enough to choose the most efficient method. It doesn't mean you won't be able to customize and it won't take away the business for app developers. But right now, I think there is that paranoia level where they don't want to lose their branding. They don't want to lose their opportunity to sell product. And that's understandable. But the way that best serves the users is just to do the darn thing. That's all. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. 
At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shot for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to selectquote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Before we go on, we'd like you to join Tech Night Out Plus, get the premium version of the show free of ads. No more fast forward, better quality audio. Go to plus.technightout.com, P-L-U-S.technightout.com. So we're talking here about what OS X will offer or Mac OS 10.12 or whatever Apple chooses to call it. And we started with Siri and we had this segue to the future of personal computing where it becomes task-centric rather than app-centric. That's not going to happen for a few years, is it? I think it's going to take a few more years. We've got to go through baby steps. People have asked about where Mac OS... I'm doing Mac OS now instead of OS X, so (laughs) forgive me. We can call it anything we want because... There's no accountability here. After after 16 years, uh, you got to think that maybe there's something to do for the next step. HFS Plus, the file system, is getting fairly aged. While it seems to work fine, uh, I, I don't think it's a file system for the future. How long OS X will continue to have features? I don't remember if we talked about this last time I was on, but how much longer can you keep loading up this beautiful Unix operating system with all these overlay features and come out with a new version every year with hundreds or thousands of new APIs and and dozens of new features for the user. A lot of people have a warm affection for Snow Leopard, 
because Snow Leopard was the sort of the pinnacle uh, Unix operating system with a great GUI and didn't have much regard for all the other features uh, that require it to work within Apple's infrastructure. Nowadays, El Capitan has to work with tablets, has to work with phones, it has to work with Siri, has to do a lot of things. It has to be, you know, able to to do searches. There's a, there's a lot of weight in this operating system. And so the question is, how many more years is this going to happen? Is Siri on the Mac a sort of a signpost that we'll be moving into a, a next generation operating system that, as you said, is is task-oriented. Is Apple going to fix iTunes in the next version? That's, well, that's a whole other subject. Well, they made a good start with 12.4. They did. I wrote about that yesterday. It's, uh, it's still Apple's worst software, but <laughs> they took two steps forward after taking seven steps backwards. So it's now Apple's less worse software. Right. One of my readers says it has gone from worse to bad, reversing the process. <laughs> I, I think that what we'll see at WWDC will be Mac OS 10.12. It'll have Siri. It'll have um, uh, maybe a better iTunes. It'll have some features we don't yet know about. I'm hoping that Apple will figure out how to do a better secure erase of SSDs. Um, that's something I'm looking into right now. It's kind of problematic by the way SSDs work. It's really hard to, to scrub them completely before you sell your Mac. And that's why Apple had to pull secure empty trash out of, was it Yosemite or El Capitan? They pulled secure empty trash because as it was pointed out, the secure empty trash wasn't really secure. It wasn't permanently deleting information. You know, with a disk drive, you can physically write ones and zeros many, many, many times. And you can actually go in there with a microscope and you can look at the magnetic domains and and you can see that the, the disk has been wiped. But SSDs operate a little differently and everybody has an SSD in their machine now. So hopefully they figure things out with secure empty trash and then you can wipe your... SSD-based Mac really, really well before you sell it. So I'm looking forward to something along those lines. Other than Siri and secure SSD erase, what else? I don't know. Other than um, fixing iTunes further, the changes that were introduced in iTunes 12.4 this week um, are a step forward, undo the most awful design changes that came out with version 12. But there's a lot of work to be done in iTunes. It's not very robust. I was updating to 9.3.2 on an iPad the other day, and it came up with an error message that was completely out of the blue and said, I, can no longer, I can't finish this process because I can't connect to your iPad anymore. And then everything went well. Everything went fine. I just let it continue on and unplugged the iPad and logged on, and everything was cool. So I've seen a host of bizarre error messages. Um, I've tried to uh, uh, do some things with iTunes where I got most the most bizarre error messages like, uh, oh, what was one? Um, you're, you're trying to... No, I can't remember the details, but certainly iTunes could stand some logging and some debugging. You know, recently we had this situation where um, a very visible blogger had apparently his music deleted 
when he turned on Apple Music and Apple sent a couple of engineers to his house to try to figure out what was going on. They couldn't. But that's symptomatic of a old era app, which means that you just simply write the code to do the job at hand. There's no error tracking. There's no logging. There's no robustness. There's no security considerations. There's no bounds checking. It's just like, oh, here he is. Write the code. Make it work. Looks pretty, and it runs. And then when something goes wrong, you have no idea what's going on inside the application, and you got you're forced into doing things like, well, can you reproduce it? You know, let's try to step through it, and then if we can reproduce it, maybe we can figure out where in the code the programmer went wrong. This is kind of old thinking for modern coding. Well, you so, know, I'm thinking of it this way, and that is, there is a critic in iTunes. And if he doesn't like your playlists, goodbye. Oh, you've had that happen? No, never. <laughs> well, we had a we had a problem this morning with Kelly Gumont. We were doing a debug session, and she wasn't able to drag a song into her playlist. But it turned out that iTunes was doing the right thing. It was recognizing that the MP3 was corrupted in some fashion and didn't recognize its file structure properly, so it wouldn't let her add it to the playlist. But instead of coming out with a message and saying, hey, you tried to drag a file that wasn't in the right format into a playlist, um, we recommend you fix it and try again. Instead, silence. It just bounced. She got the glowing rectangle around the playlist, dragged the song in, boink, Nothing happened. So, you know, the code bases of iTunes is complex. It's old. It's been asked to do a lot of new things. It's absorbed a lot of stuff over the years. It's been sort of like uh, uh, an, an Apple infrastructure in itself, a gateway. And when you start adding all those things to the code that was rather simple to begin with, you don't have a lot of error checking and logging and robustness and ability to figure out what's going on in the code. So um, that's why so many people have been yearning for a factoring of iTunes. Factoring means breaking it up into logical parts and maybe even starting all over with a new code base. As Bob Levitas says, iTunes must die. I don't know. We'll find more about this with John Martellaro. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Alive. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Suffering from illness or disease? Frequently in pain? Overstressed? Always tired? The solution is to oxygenate your cells because disease cannot survive in an oxygen-rich environment. Introducing Vital Ion, the first mineralized edible oxygen in the world. Go to toolsforfreedom.com and get the Miracle of Oxygenation DVD free with any Vital Ion purchase. Call 800-770-8802. That's 800-770-8802. Let Vital Ion edible oxygen be your daily fountain of youth. 
Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 pain relief hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Dry hands or itchy, peeling skin. Are your cracked feet in need of a makeover for sandal season? Hi, my name is Diane Cook, the creator of Bee Spa Hand and Foot Cream. Bee Spa is all natural, 16% beeswax, marigold extract, and other essential oils and nutrients. Bee Spa is great for exceptionally dry hands and feet, but Bee Spa can be used anywhere on the body. I am sure you will see a difference overnight. Spa is the only cream you will ever need. The convenient 2.5 ounce size jar travels nicely and a little goes a long way. Spa Hand and Foot Cream costs $29.99. Use promotion code 101 for free shipping. Order Spa Hand and Foot Cream today at bspa.com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. That's B-E-E-S-P-A dot com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, and we were talking about things that can be fixed or should be fixed on iTunes. Bob Levitas had that song, iTunes Must Die. We had segments of it here and on one of our episodes of the Tech Night Out Live for users of Tech Night Out Plus, we played the full song in stereo for you. (laughs) Except that Bob submitted that song to iTunes, and they said, no. (laughs) They have no sense of humor over there. You were going on about iTunes and things that need to be done. 
Well, one of the things that many of the writers that I follow have been talking about is factoring the code. And that means breaking it up into logical pieces. And I think there's a sort of a community consensus that we'd like to see a separate sync manager for syncing and backing up your iDevices. We'd like to see a, a separation out of uh, the music player in the convolution, convolution with um, Apple Music. We'd like to we'd like to see uh, several applications here that in in the sort of the, the style of uh, how, um, for example, iPhoto went to Photos, and Apple just started all over again. Uh, you know, I, iTunes can trace its origins all the way back to Sound Jam in the early parts of the century. Sound Jam was like in the late 1990s. Yeah. Even older than that. So you're tracing a code base down 18 years or so. All right, let's move away from iTunes because we can always hope that at the WWDC, when they talk about the next Mac OS or whatever it's called, there will be more about iTunes or just change it to Apple Tunes. I no. can't wait. Yeah, Apple Tunes instead of iTunes. Why there did I say go. that? I have no idea. No, well, they're moving away from I's and towards A's. We don't have an iWatch, we have an Apple Watch. Exactly. But we still have not an Apple phone, but an iPhone. But that's not going to encourage people to reclaim that love and feeling and upgrade their iPhones, is it? No, 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 no. I, a reader uh, sent me an email and he said that uh, back when in the iPod days, iTunes plus iPod were sort of your glorious gateway into the apple system and so you you installed itunes on your mac and you bought your ipod and you synced music to your ipod and you bought music and you were off and running and everything was cool and everything worked not so glorious anymore also we should talk about downloading and paying for music if you'd like Briefly, the, the signs are, uh, we think, that uh, Apple's moving away from uh, music sales. There was a story today, I think, at Digital Music Digest by a, a CEO of a label who said that she thinks this is coming. If you look at the sales charts, streaming is vastly overtaking the downloading of music. So, Apple denied that, though. Yeah, they did, but um, the article I read pointed out that it's easy to deny a absolute statement, and so Apple could could deny that they're phasing it out in two years if they're planning on phasing it out in twenty six months. So, and I'm still up in the air about that. But you know, Apple moves forward relentlessly and leaves the past behind. And if their sales are down thirty or forty percent, maybe more year over year, and they're not selling a whole lot of music, uh, and everybody's into streaming, you can expect Apple to jump on that bandwagon. The question is, for those people who like to keep the purchase library the way it is, will they be able to do that with iTunes? Will Apple continue to make sure people have a good experience? playing the music that they have bought in the past, even though Apple moves out of the business of selling you music. I still am skeptical. I think there are too many people who buy music. Remember, Apple still sells iPods. So even if they yes, phase they out buying music, I think it's going to take a number of years, and some of us will have to die off before things <laughs> change. I want to get, though, to the iPhone. Why is it here 
that people are less apt to upgrade because the wireless carriers have decoupled the purchase or leasing of a smartphone from the service? Is it because we've reached a point in the feature set of these gadgets that a lot of the new stuff is fluff that people don't care about? All of the above. Yes. See, I'm always right. What else? Yes, yes you are. Um, well, those are the two major factors. One of the problems is is that when the iPhone 6 first came out, there was a demand for phablets. You know, Samsung had been beating up on Apple, selling smartphones with larger display. And there was a lead comment, I think, from Phil Schiller, who said something like, you know, customers want what we don't have. And so Apple came out with the iPhone 6 and Apple Pay in the fall of 2014. And everybody was very happy and sales zoomed. And people got the bigger phones that they wanted, and they got Apple Pay wrapped into it. Sales were zooming, and then the iPhone 6S came out, the, the talk of the TikTok cycle, if you will. And it didn't have that many really strong points to it. Apple tried to focus on the, um, the 3D touch, and that's something you really have to work hard to exploit. And, and then people realized that they were... They were spending a lot of money either on a loan through the Apple Upgrade program or just buying the phone. And their kids wanted a new phone, too. And this is a $650 device. In previous times, when you had carrier subsidies, you get a new phone every year for $199, and it was kind of submerged in your bill. But when it shows up here in your credit card statement or your loan from a citizen's bank, it really kind of comes home to you that you're spending 650 bucks cash times X, where X is the number of people in your family who want one, every 12 months. And people are starting to ask themselves, according to my readers, you know, do we really need to do it every 12 months? Maybe we can get away with every 24 months. Yeah, but isn't it true that a lot of people did upgrade every two years because that was the standard carrier contract? This yearly upgrade thing is encouraged if you pay a few dollars more. On these new deals like AT&T, Next, and whatever your carrier calls it, where you can subscribe to an 18-month upgrade cycle or a 12-month upgrade cycle, and the difference is not that vast. All you have to do is just turn in your old hardware. Right. We shouldn't overlook the idea that um, an iPhone in good condition, a modern one that's only one generation old, is worth a lot of money. And if you happen to have, uh, say, an Apple gift card hanging around, you know, you can walk into the Apple store every September, turn in your old phone, get two or $300 credit, maybe throw in a gift card, and you can walk out of there with a new phone for maybe only 300 bucks. But I, I think it's a mixture. I think people are looking at the, the cost and the benefit relationship. They're, they're going, well, do, do I need this expensive device every year? And what is the payoff and the features that I really use? And I think it kind of led to a slowdown in in the marketplace. And plus there was sort of a world economy slowdown too in 2015 and 16. The dollar got stronger. Apple had to lower its prices in Japan. Um, so well, I think several things folded into it. And then the question is, does Apple have the capacity to come out with something astoundingly better every 12 months. I wrote about an interesting article from Renee Ritchie at iMore, great writer, 
who focused on this TikTok cycle of this of the uh, iPhone N and then iPhone NS, like the six and the six S, and 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 told, talked about how he had seen some rumors that Apple wasn't ready to roll out a, a giant spectacular iPhone seven, and there could be another phone in the six cycle because Apple wasn't ready to do some really cool stuff until next year. Well, you could change the case and still call it an iPhone 7. I mean, that's just branding, even if you don't think the changes are compelling enough. We can get into more of that, and I also want to start talking about Apple Car. Will it be something that will be a car-sharing sales scheme? Let's see. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Would you like to receive 250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, A Place for Mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. There have been rumors that the so-called iPhone 7 will not be a compelling upgrade and all the good stuff's going to come next year. So therefore, there'll be an iPhone SG as opposed to 6SG or something like that? Perhaps. Yeah, but you realize the kind of blowback Apple's going to receive if they pull that. Well, one of the things that the um, analysts are talking about and the media, the the mass market media, are saying that, well, everything will be better when Apple comes out with the iPhone 7. But the question is, are they ready with inductive charging? Are they ready with a AMO LED display. Are they ready with the things that we've heard about? Or maybe they're engineering wise, they are not able to do that. As I talked about in the previous segment, um, Rene Ritchie pointed out that some of these things are very hard to do. And so Apple's kind of in a difficult situation here if they come out with something that is pushing the, the limits and doesn't go over really, really well with consumers. People will say, well, that that leap we'd hoped for, the return to the growth of the iPhone 7 is gone, and it didn't happen in the 6S, and it didn't happen in the 7, and now Apple's really, really doomed. On the other hand, Apple, as some people argue, could come out with a next version of the iPhone and say, we've made, we're selling a lot of these phones, people are in a replacement cycle. This is the next generation of our technology, even though we're not calling it an iPhone 7. If you like it, buy it. And there were a lot of people will, and then Apple doesn't have to own up to you know a spectacular upgrade. I don't think Apple will do that. I think they can call it iPhone Seven and do whatever they can. They might well very well do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Apple just you know kind of did its thing and and came out with the iPhone Seven and put the technology into it that they've been planning all along, and see how things go. the The problem is 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 uh, disappointing investors. And disappointing the media because there's been so much hype about the iPhone 7. It's going to save Apple and it's going to return Apple to iPhone growth. And if it doesn't do that, that's going to be bad. It's going to look bad. Right. But I have the feeling here 
that unless they break into the India market more, unless China fixes whatever problems China has, whatever Apple sells is not going to be quite as good as the previous model. So might as well put their best face forward. Because if they say this is not an iPhone 7, it's going to be worse for the investors. They'll freak. Yeah, well, they're caught in, a, in an interesting situation. And it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to marry the engineering and the technical advancements that must be made and, and they can be made to the current day marketing and financial needs of Apple. Those two have to kind of match. And in previous years, when the market wasn't saturated, uh, Apple was able to match the two very well and, and serious upgrades like Apple Pay. That was a serious, serious upgrade. That was the killer app for the iPhone 6. It's a happy marriage when you can do that. But when the engineering challenges get tough and the engineers come back to you and say, we're not going to be ready to go into production for a machine that ships in September, then Apple executives have to figure out how to present the situation and how to deal with the features that they do have. And I think that kind of happened in the iPhone 6 where some of the features that Apple touted kind of left people kind of like, eh, do I really need that? No, my phone is, my 6 is fine. Well, yeah, but I think the target audience of one of these iPhone upgrades is not the previous model, but the one before that. So the iPhone 5S user, who hasn't gone to a 6, of course, would look at the 6S and say, my God, this is great. The iPhone 6 user might find that the iPhone 7 is great, even though as a practical matter, it's not that much different from the iPhone 6S except for a different case. I think the other issue, the bigger issue is, what more can one put into a smartphone that would get people a lust after it except for power users? That's right. A lot of the uh, features are sort of under the skin and are hard to put into a form that creates demand on the part of the public. I was talking this morning on, on Jeff Gamage show. He does a daily observations podcast. And he was talking about how a lot of people think Apple Pay is not very secure. And the reason they don't think is when we've, we've figured out why. One of the reasons why people think Apple Pay isn't secure is because they watch other people using their phone. And when the wallet comes up on the display, there's an image of the credit card. And the viewer's too far away to see the details of the credit card. And they think it's the actual credit card with its actual numbers. And they think that the user of Apple Pay has the, Apple, has the credit card stored in the phone with its credit card number. And they, they think, well, that's not very good because somebody gets a hold of my phone, they've got my credit cards. So instead of an optical illusion, I coined it as a technical delusion. And I think technical delusions happen when a company isn't able to communicate to its customers that this is a fundamental change, that it's an important change, that you're going to love it, and it's going to be useful to you. That's, that's always a challenge. If Steady people days. think that a little marketing might help, but let's move on. We have so many topics to talk about. Apple Car. Now, you're implying in your latest piece here that this is proving harder to build or create than we expect. But we don't know. We know that someone who was supposedly the leader of the project left Apple, left the company. But they're still hiring people from other companies, from Tesla, from Audi. No, the Audi person went to Tesla. 
some guy who was into manufacturing cars, went to Tesla to teach Tesla how to build 500,000 cars a year or a million cars a year. But with the Apple car, we have a product that has no roadmap, except internally at Apple, a product that we have no idea when it's going to be out, although Apple obviously has some hopes and dreams. But even then, it can come out a year later. And what difference would it make? Well, there, there are some issues with the initial rollout. First of all, the car has to meet federal regulations in each country to be sold there. So there's constraints on the design. There's, there's constraints on the placement of lights, on crush zones, on safety, and things that would constrain the design. So Apple has to deal with that. And there's also a crushing demand uh, for, for batteries. So Tesla is going to be selling a whole lot of cars with making a whole lot of batteries. And now Apple's got to get into this market. And then the third issue is the design of the car. Tesla had the luxury of coming out with a cute little sports car that sold to a few people who were into cool electric sports cars. And then that was the gateway to, to build in the sedan. And then once they had the sedan down, they could do an SUV like the Model X. And all of this is leaning towards you know their plan all along to build the people's car, thirty-five dollars to $40,000 car instead of an eighty dollars to $90,000 car. So as the scale goes up, the manufacturing challenges are there. So I, Apple has to figure out how to deal with that. Are they going to come out with a car? Their expectations are so high. Are they going to come out with a single car? Are they going to come out with maybe a family sedan and an SUV? That would be a challenge too, because you have to come out, you have to figure out the engineering of two cars and do your robotic manufacturing system for two cars. This gets into a huge scale that other companies have been dealing with for years. Now, we should point out here that over the last few decades, there haven't been many new cars out there. I mean, there sometimes we have separate monikers of an existing brand like Toyota begat Lexus, which is basically a higher-priced Toyota, and some models are the same, things like that. But one of the last major new car announcements go back to the 70s and 80s. DeLorean, for example, had the potential before they got into trouble. And then, of course, the founder of the company was arrested on drug charges. He was later acquitted, by the way, but not before the company went out of business. The point being the DeLorean only exists today because some company is going to remanufacture them again and the legend from the Back to the Future cars. So the only recent brand that seems to be successful is Tesla Motors, which is not proven yet, but at least it's gone somewhere. And the question is, if, if Tesla is able to build the cars that have been ordered, the last number I saw was 320,000 pre-orders. Up to 400,000. And and the numbers I saw at one um, Motor Magazine was that about half of those people would follow through and actually take possession of the car. So you're looking at building 200,000 cars, um, and that's a massive engineering and manufacturing challenge. Let's have another challenge, folks. And we'll be back with John Martellaro. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So as it goes here, what John was saying in the previous segment of the Tech Night Owl Live is that at the end of the day, maybe 200,000 people will want to take delivery of the Tesla Model 3. And that means that Tesla will have to build 200,000 cars plus another 100,000 or so of their other models. That's 300,000 cars. Now, I think the plant they're using when it was owned by Toyota and GM could build up to 500,000 cars a year. So it is possible, but they'd have to do a lot of work. Assuming there. that they can make all the batteries that they need. So so now Tesla's been doing this to jump forward back to the future here. In 2019, probably 2020, Apple would like 19, but we're thinking with a, with a, a new product that will probably slip to 2020. Tesla's been building three, 400, 500,000 cars a year for the last two or three years. Is this something where Apple can jump in and make headway? The profit margin on cars is low. It's 8 for a normal car to maybe 15% for a luxury car. Is this a market where Apple can make a lot of money? Can Apple use its robotics and machining expertise to raise the profit margin on a car? Is Apple even going to build a car that you can buy? That has come up recently. After all this fussing and all this writing about Apple building an electric car and out-Tesla-ing Tesla, and grabbing significant market share in the long-range electric car market. We recently saw that Tim Cook was investing 
a billion dollars in China in their Uber competitor called Didi. And all of a sudden, light bulbs went on all over the internet. And the next day, people were going, ah, maybe Apple isn't building a car for sale after all. Maybe Apple's skating to where the puck will be instead of where the puck is now and is going to build an electric chauffeuring car that's autonomous. So it's going to build iPhone. a Johnny cab. You, yeah, you pick up your iPhone, you, you fire up the uh, iCar app, and you say where you want to go, and in a few minutes, an Apple electric car shows up autonomous, opens the door, and you jump in, and it says, are you ready to go? The door closes, and it chauffeurs you, and it's all billed to your Apple uh, iTunes account. And okay, so instead of a Johnny cab, it's a Siri cab. <laughs> yeah. Now, I should mention, for those of you who don't remember, Johnny Cab was this character or this special effect from the film Total Recall, the Paul Verhoeven, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from 1990. Not the horrendous remake, the original. I don't know why they remake these movies in lesser versions with Colin Farrell, who is not Arnold Schwarzenegger and doesn't have near a sense of humor. But that was a Johnny Cab. So we think here that... Apple comes out with a Siri cab and it becomes a autonomous Uber competitor. This opens the door for Apple in a lot of ways. It, um, it doesn't require Apple to get into the mass market of competing against Tesla and the other car companies that are going to build electric cars, notably GM and the Bolt and BMW and its i3 and the successors. It gives Apple some design freedom. Everybody agrees that it will be a good-looking car, but if you can't buy it, all it needs to do is be handsome and reflect well on Apple. And it could be a little boxier to allow more room for passengers and sit more people comfortably, and, and maybe they'll be facing each other around a small table. It could look well look like the inside of a business jet. Uh, where you have LCD displays and you have Wi-Fi inside and you're talking to the car and Siri and you say, oh, I need to stop here for a second. Can you drop me off? I need to run in here or something like that. And Siri says, fine, I'll wait outside. I'm so, sorry, Dave, this, this but I cool. can't do that. <laughs> this is something that's been percolating around the internet and I don't know what to make of it yet. There is so much momentum behind the idea that Apple's going to build an electric car and rumors that suggest that Apple would come out with a conventionally driven electric car first, followed by an autonomous car a few years later. The question is, can Apple deliver an autonomous car in 2020? There are some observers who think that that's a stretch for Apple to, to be able to deliver a commercial electric car. And in the style, we've just been talking about the Johnny car in the year 2020. If so, it would be a massive challenge. Well, I have no problem with autonomous vehicles if they can perfect the technology. And that's going to be a big deal because right now they're a few years away from doing that. I mean, you have some so-called autonomous things in cars already, like the special braking and autonomous cruise control. Lane and control. I said autonomous, yeah. Special yeah. braking and cruise controls and blind spot monitoring, things where the car kind of alerts you to issues. Obviously, lane change. If you go out of lane, it can either move you back in or make some kind of dumb noise. I once Smart had a car, by the way. I once owned a luxury car a long time ago. One of the first iterations of the lane change warning, and it was perfectly awful. I turned the darn thing off. 
Well, that's another thing we have to deal with is, is that, you know, we're all too accustomed to the failings of technology. There's much hype and much marketing and uh, people get excited about buying products. And we, what we find is, is that there's security issues, there's software bugs, um, our, our Macs can still crash. And uh, we worry about security and privacy. And we've heard stories about certain cars being hacked into with exotic techniques. But um, the specter looms um, of buying a car that's so highly automated uh, and the management of software updates, the issues of, um, of liability and insurance, um, the issues of being able to communicate with the onboard agent uh, in, an, in a crisis situation. Now, the example I, I give routinely is you're taking your wife to the hospital in one of these cars and, and, you, and it's raining hard and you just tell it park under the awning at the emergency service and the car says i'm sorry i'm not allowed to do that it's illegal for me to park there and now you're yelling at your car i insist stop under the awning we don't have an umbrella and i don't have time to fight with you park here i'll get out go find a place to um park and the car says i can't stop here i'm going to park in the conventional parking you can imagine all kinds of issues with people suffering the inadequacies of the technology. And until we have an AI agent in a car that can pass the Turing test, in other words, it's indistinguishable from a human, has vast intelligence and resources and understands human psychology and needs much, much better, there's going to be a kind of a honeymoon period that's going to be a little rocky with these autonomous cars. I think at the beginning they'll have to have a human assistant in those vehicles, but do most of the work autonomously and ultimately fade out the human. The human will be phased out after a while, but not originally because it's going to take a lot to get that technology to work properly and then to approve it in each state, in each country, which will have different laws, different red tape, require different bribes of public officials. And, and, and the question is, should the car have manual controls in an emergency where you need to take control of the car? Like, for Maybe example, Arnold Schwarzenegger grabs Johnny and pulls him out and grabs the stick and starts driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, so I, so I like the, the scene where he says, drive, where do you want to go? Drive, drive. And he gets frustrated. <laughs> Let's move away from the Apple car. We'll see what okay. happens. All right. I think we have time for... One more thing, which is, while we await the Apple car, what's Apple going to give us? What indeed? Before we figure that out. Before that, let me tell you that we offer a special feature of the show called Tech Night Owl Plus. And what do we offer you? We give you an ad-free version of this show where 41 minutes of network ads, all of 41 minutes of network ads, are removed. We improve the quality of audio, a higher bit rate. And sometimes we give you a special stereo version with extra content. All this and more, find out how to subscribe at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. So what will Apple give us while we await whether there'll be a car or not? We'll find out on the Tech Night Owl Live. (music) 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Join me, George Norrie, at Joshua Tree, California, June 3rd through the 6th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, a weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. Featuring Graham Hancock, Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and Eric Von Donneken, and so many more. For information, go to contactinthedesert.com, contactinthedesert.com, or 760-365-8371. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, 
get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. John Martellaro will have some suggestions right now in our final segment with him as to what Apple might be working on while we await for that car, if it comes. John? One of the things I like to do is look a little further into the future. You know, we can look at the supply chain and and listen to the rumor mill and figure out what Apple's doing and likely with the iPhone 7. But while we wait for the Apple car in 2019 or 2020, what might Apple be doing down the road in addition to that? So I, I made a list of a few things that came to mind that we might see in 2017 or 18. And one of them was um, iCloud Time Machine. One of my gripes is uh, the limitations of uh, the current version of Time Machine. It's been sort of as is for years and years. And when a product language is like that, it's usually a sign that Apple's working on a whole new metaphor a whole new way of doing things. And if you look at Apple's movement towards the cloud, all your purchase music in the cloud, all your streaming coming from the cloud, your cloud backups, your transmission, sharing a syncing of data in the cloud, your iPhone backups to the cloud, it would be reasonable to, to think that Apple would work out a technique where you could back up your Mac to the cloud just like you back up your phone. Now, we tend to have a lot of data on the Mac, so it would have to be very intelligent it would have to figure out what your bandwidth is, what files needed to be updated. Maybe there would be some prioritization of which files got backed up first. When this event happened, it might happen throughout the day in a low bandwidth environment. But eventually you would have your Mac backed up in the cloud at some charge for the storage. And then you could simply have a MacBook Pro on your desk and you wouldn't have to have this external drive sitting there subject to, you know, failing every few years and having to fuss with buying a new time machine drive. This is therefore Apple's counterpart to Carbonite or something. Carbonite. That's what Han Solo was locked into. Right. That's an online backup system. (laughs) Carbonite or Crash Plan. Ah, I drive uh, crash plan, right? Right. I, I looked at the different services that are available for online backups right now. There is a great article I linked to in a recent article: um, Carbonite, iDrive, Crash Plan, Open Drive, SugarSync, Mosey, even Dropbox. Um, when you have that many different services with that many different options, and the confusion of picking one and comparing the security issues. That's that's the situation where Apple usually jumps in and says, all right, we're going to bring some coherence to this. We're going to cash in on our reputation for security and privacy. We're going to fold it into your Apple ID so you don't have to worry about separate billing. It just seems to me a logical thing for Apple to do to kind of jump into this market. Now, this is part and parcel 
of Apple's emphasis on services with a billion activated devices. The services business is growing by leaps and bounds. So in a case like this, if you add more services like online backup, not just an iCloud repository, but a more formalized system working with cloud-based time machine, that's fitting with getting more money from the customers. Yeah, Apple's very much into the services industry. It's a great opportunity for growth. As Tim Cook said in the last earnings report, there's a billion devices out there and billion iOS devices in the field. And so this is a not not to mention the 100 million Macs. So this is an area that's ripe for Apple to provide services and get an ongoing cash flow, recurring revenue like uh, Apple Music. Or you know, an Apple wireless phone service, set up their own wireless carrier. Of course, they'd either have to build out their own network, which wouldn't be practical. You mean like an MVNO? Yes. Yeah, we've heard rumors about Apple doing an MVNO for years, and it never seems to pan out. Well, okay. Then, of course, the Apple subscription TV service, maybe that will come to pass, where they want to replace DirecTV and Cox Communications and Comcast and come up with their own system that is also cloud-based. So that's another thing. Will Apple want to do that and maybe make special deals with the ISPs, especially those who have rival services, to give them a spiff so they don't have a bandwidth cap? Hmm. No, I don't think that's a problem. I wrote an article recently about how Comcast is changing their their data caps in some test markets in the South um, from 250 gigabytes to a terabyte. Right now, for its high-end plans, Cox has two terabytes. Uh, In time, data caps will be a thing of the past, and we won't have to worry. If we're going to move forward to 4K TV, 250-gigabyte data caps have got to go. And you need at least a terabyte to live comfortably with a 4K TV and streaming services. All right. Other than services, we can just list anything you get from another carrier or another provider and see if Apple delivers their own to grab that business away. All right. What else would Apple produce? What kind of gadgets do you think they might come up with between now and the arrival of an Apple car? Well, I think eventually that there'll be a next generation Apple TV probably um, at Christmas or in the spring of 2017 that supports not only 4K, but HDR. HDR is high dynamic range, and it's a very important component of the new 4K technology, UHD, ultra-high definition. But the problem with 4K has been that if you don't sit close enough, you're not able to take advantage of the resolution. But high dynamic range allows the TV to display a wider range of brightness, better contrast, and it looks more lifelike. Now, and some of it, the new sets from Vizio, the affordable lines like the P-Series and the M-Series, are offering the Dolby system. But yeah, the system that's between, also on the 4K Blu-ray systems. players won't debut in Vizio, the P-Series, for later this year. But that's another thing. As you say, the high dynamic range, the better color, is maybe more significant than 4K, unless yes, you have a really is. big set. Yeah, and, and you could put HDR in 1080p TVs, but the industry isn't going to do it because they're done with, with high-definition TV sales. Not enough profit margin on those. We should distinguish between HDR specifications. The minimum is defined by the UHD Alliance and Dolby Vision, which is an even more exotic and, and high-performance version of HDR. And only a few TVs have the Dolby Vision support. And only a very few movies like Star Wars, The Force Awakens, were mastered in Dolby Vision. So in most cases, especially for streaming, 
the, the, the normal HDR minimum specs is defined by the HD, by the UHD alliance will be fine. So look for that on your next version of the, the Apple TV. Right. Now, as I said, Vizio is offering Dolby Vision on two of their sets, actually three of their sets, the P-series, the M-series, and the reference series. Okay, so if you're interested in Dolby Vision, that's where it is. But there isn't much out there that supports it. So what can you do? John Martellero, would you please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff? I'm Senior Editor at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. And he comes here every month or so. We also hear from other people from the Mac Observer, like Brian Chaffin and Jeff Gamut. And one of these days, I think with Jeff, we'll do a special section on pop culture, TV shows, movies, all that good stuff. That Excellent. He yeah, he's very up on that. Oh, yeah. We think we're going to do it next time we have him on. John Martellero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer or, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer 
repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly, certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern, and today we will refer to him often as the iTunes guy because Apple has a new version of iTunes, version 12.4. And the big deal is they've finally fixed a number of interface oddities, glitches, or poorly chosen designs. Now, before we go to this, Kirk, with iTunes, obviously one of the big things is the return of a proper sidebar. Other than what we did before in the last couple of versions, we had to choose your playlist to bring up a sidebar. Why did Apple get rid of it anyway? I think Apple thought they were being clever. They probably thought, well, the sidebar stores your playlists, not only, but it stores your playlists. And if you don't need to see the playlist, then it's a lot of wasted space. And there is some logic in that. There are people who don't have any playlists in their iTunes library. But the sidebar also, back in the day, you know, iTunes 10 and earlier, iTunes 11 and earlier, the sidebar also showed your various media libraries. So you'd have music and movies and TV shows and all that at the top of the sidebar. So I can understand the logic of removing it, saying, well, this is wasted space when you're looking at certain things, but it's actually an extremely logical interface element because it serves as the kind of entrance to iTunes. So you're always starting on the left, and from there, you go to your content on the right. And whenever you want to change something, you're in this limited area, um, which is the sidebar, and you choose what you want to change, and you view things differently. So I think bringing it back was very intelligent because iTunes had a sidebar from version 1, and it's a pretty common element of music players. When they sort of pulled the rug out from under people and removed it, they needed to add more interface elements. So 
above the sidebar, there were little icons to go to each different media library. And then there were more icons in the middle. You said just a minute ago, the sidebar displayed on iTunes 12 when you viewed your playlists. And playlists was one of the icons, one of the text icons in the middle, which really didn't fit with the others, which are my music and for you and new and radio and iTunes store. So I think they made a good choice. I, I think some people are reacting now thinking, well, I got used to this other way and they're going to have to get used to the new way. But I would generally look at my music viewing the playlist, uh, viewing the sidebar in iTunes 12. I would display songs and I would click on the playlist button and I would be able to see my sidebar all the time. So for me, it's not that big a change to have it back permanently. But I think for a lot of people, a, a lot of people didn't, approach iTunes the way I did and found that if they were looking for albums and artists and all that, it wasn't there. And I think a lot of people are very happy to see it come back. So the sidebar is back. Has anyone ever taken a survey of these things when the full-time sidebar went away? Did anyone gauge anyone's reaction? Well, I know a lot of people complained about it online, but the, the percentage of people who complain online versus the percentage of people who use the, the app are, are minuscule. So you can't really tell from that. You know, Apple has said um, that they get a lot of usage information. And if you don't opt out when you set up a Mac or even an iOS device, they do collect usage information. And, and I would assume that Apple knows, for instance, how many people use a given menu item in iTunes, that sort of thing. Um, and we'll talk a bit later about changes to the menus. And, and I think a lot of that is driven by their usage statistics. But I'm not sure they could know how many people actually use the sidebar because I'm going to say it's a passive element. You click on it to view something. I, I don't know if they really could tell whether people were missing the sidebar or not. Sure. But if they get large numbers of complaints from customers, that has to tell them something. I would think also that a click would register. It something. would, but we, we don't know if they're actually trapping that sort of click as opposed to trapping when you're doing something, you're starting to play something, you're adjusting the volume, you're selecting a menu item. We don't know exactly. To get a little technical, the sidebar is actually an interesting element. It's rendered with WebKit, which is the framework that um, Apple uses in Safari and Mail and, and other apps to display things. So it's not lines of text, it's a web page. It's a mini web page. So I'm not sure how well they can um, get that kind of information. The key is that many of the functions in iTunes serve as a browser. It's checking well, part, web pages. Part of, part, of, part of iTunes is a browser. The entire iTunes store is, is based on web pages. Of course. The sidebar is different. So Apple uses WebKit in the sidebar and mail and photos and different apps like that. I'm not sure they use it in the Finder or, or as well, but it's, it's a way that they've developed to be able to display this type of list content. Again, that's neither here nor there. I was just saying that, you know, maybe they can't tell how people use it because of that. I don't know. Well, I would think still that Apple has to be careful about making decisions like this. It may also be they're trying out new things to see where they can move with iTunes, but it only seems to have gotten worse over recent years rather than any better. So all we're doing now is making up, at least with a sidebar, for something that was lost. The simplified menus. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. How does that make iTunes function better? So if you're on iTunes while you're listening here, you can right-click on a, a song or a track anywhere, and you see a contextual menu. And that contextual menu is much shorter than it was in previous versions of iTunes 12. 
if you hover over track, you see there's a little circle with three dots in it. And if you click that, you get exactly the same contextual menu. Previously, that was a different menu than the right-click contextual menu. So already there was this confusion about having two different types of contextual menus, which depended on where you clicked. They removed a lot of menu items from there, and they put some of them in the song menu. So if you're in your music library, there's now a song menu, and it contains a lot of the menu items that were in the contextual menu. There was a thing in the iTunes toolbar that was a sort of a store menu. It would show a little circle with like a head and shoulders icon, and it would have your name next to it when you were signed into the store. And you would click that, and you would access a number of things such as viewing your account and your wish list and, and purchase list. And they moved all of that into a new menu called account which replaces the previous menu called store. So they've lightened menus in a lot of places in the app itself, and they've moved these menu items into the menu bar, which frankly, that's where they belong. I don't know who considered it was a good idea to add a menu into the toolbar. Toolbar buttons are generally meant to, to click or view quickly rather than select item. You still have two buttons. You have one for AirPlay and you have one for Up Next which they have their reason for being there, but the store menu made no sense. Just simplifying a number of these things, making it so that when you're looking at iTunes, there are fewer interface elements that get in your way. They took out that playlists link in the center sort of navigation button bar. They took out the many links that were in the left for the different media kinds. They took out the store menu and the toolbar. So they've lightened the overall impression that you get. Oh, and they also took out the view options menu. So when you're viewing your content previously at the top right, there was a button and you'd click this and there were all sorts of options in there how you wanted to sort, whether you wanted to display artwork, which columns you wanted to display in list view. And so they've taken that out. And, and that's another 180 degree turn. They went back to the previous view options window. You press command J and you see that window and everything's in a, a floating window rather than in a menu. So, so I think overall, the lightening the part of the interface you see all the time is a good idea. Well, it helps the user to master it. Of course, one of the Things that some people might be annoyed about is the fact that there is still a For You menu under music, even if you're not subscribing to Apple Music, because they can promote it that way. Uh, no, I'm not seeing that. So if you, if you select the music menu, you see on top, My Music, For You, New Radio, Connect, and iTunes Store. You don't see that? No, I don't because I don't have Apple Music turned on. I'm, I don't I'm either. I don't even subscribe to it anymore. But well, all I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is the option to join Apple Music. Okay, so if you go into the general preferences, do you have show Apple Music checked or not? Let me check. General preferences. Show Apple Music. Yes, okay. So, so uncheck it. Uncheck it, and there it goes. Okay. And Great. now all you get is My Music Radio and iTunes Store. Okay. Okay. More to come with Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Purchase a ProPure system during the Crazy May sale and get a free ProMax shower filter or water filter pitcher. Remove up to 200 contaminants with the Pro1G 2.0 truly cleanable, reusable filter. We don't stretch our claims, we just deliver performance. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. This is a life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. MiniCPAP.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's called the Transcend Mini CPAP, and right now you can try it risk-free for 10 days by calling 1-800-945-9289. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever. Transcend is so small and so light you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. Enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. Call minicpap.com now for your 10-day at-home trial. 1-800-945-9289. That's 1-800-945-9289. 
Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So it seems as we navigate through iTunes 12.4 that Apple made a number of changes, not just bringing back the sidebar in a more comprehensive way, but simplifying the menu structure, the right-click or context menu structure, doing a lot of things to make it easier. Some are reporting, and I've noticed this, it seems to work a little bit faster, too. I noticed this in particular when I went into Albums View. I have 4,379 albums on my iMac. Um, when you do an iTunes update, iTunes has to recache all the artwork. So what it does is it reads the artwork from the first track in every album, writes it to a cache folder, and then displays it. Now, this used to be very slow. If I wanted to get all my artwork to cache, I would have to scroll down or, or click the, the, the scroll bar to get down to the bottom. And this happened extremely quickly. Um, I've never seen iTunes display that quickly before. So evidently, the programmers have found ways to make it run more efficiently. That's good. But I have seen rumors that Apple had planned a major iTunes upgrade for WWDC. So seeing this a month ahead of that, is this the upgrade or is there more to come? I think the upgrade is going to be um, for Apple Music, not for iTunes. This is the iTunes upgrade that Eddie Q mentioned a few months ago, saying that it would make it easier to play music or something like that. Uh, I think we're still going to see some changes to Apple Music, which may be reflected in iTunes, because, again, as I said earlier, a lot of this is just web pages that iTunes is rendering, and that's the case in both the iTunes Store and in Apple Music. So all of these are things that can go on behind the scenes, as it were. They don't need an an upgrade to iTunes because this is all stuff that's in the cloud and on Apple servers. Well, that makes things a lot easier for them because they could push those at any time to subscribers of Apple Music without having to upset this app. Okay, so we have iTunes 12.4 answering the complaints of many customers, working faster. That's cool. What else do you think Apple ought to be doing with iTunes? Oh, how many times have we talked about this? I'm only doing it in relation to the fact that we have something here, which is actually a fairly significant upgrade. I understand. And so you've had a number of people on this show who have said things such as iTunes must die and iTunes needs to be split up. And I'm going to still maintain that iTunes should not ever be split up into six different apps because we don't want six apps to do what we can do in one app. Um, I don't know what they need to do. I mean, I think they need to fix Apple Music and make it simpler. I think they need to start understanding how people want to use Apple Music. And one of the problems is there's there's a brick wall between Apple Music and the iTunes Store. 
if you're in the iTunes store, you can't go to Apple Music to stream something without searching for that item. And, and th- there's a big problem here because the record labels who are still making money from downloads, they don't want Apple to give up downloads. Um, they want Apple to keep selling and streaming, but they want to keep them separate. And, th- and this actually makes it harder for Apple than it does for, say, Spotify or, or another company who doesn't sell anything. Um, Apple has to serve two masters here. So I would like to see either Apple Music separated entirely from the iTunes store, um, from your music library, from everything, or Apple Music totally integrated into the iTunes store. I mean, both, both lead to different approaches, but both would be an improvement on what we have now. I tend to think the latter integrated, partly because Apple wants to encourage people to go through its various elements of its ecosystem without having to think about it. It's just natural. It should be natural. Sure. The The problem is, once you do that, will people stop buying because they see they can stream? Now, the, the advantage to that is, let's say you've gone to the iTunes store to buy an album, and you realize you can stream it, and you click the stream button, and they pop up a thing asking you for 10 bucks a month. So they might get more subscribers that way. The problem is that they they currently say there are 43, 43 million tracks in the iTunes store, but only 30 million in Apple Music. So that means about one-fourth of what's in the iTunes store is not available to stream. In, in some cases, these are small record labels, but in some, they're fairly well-known labels um, and a handful of artists who don't want their music streamed. So you get into the uncomfortable situation of saying, oh, yes, you can stream from the Apple store, but not this. That's definitely uncomfortable. Well, record labels have the right to not allow mu- uh, not allow Apple to stream their music. It's a choice they make when they upload an album um, to the iTunes store. There's a little checkbox, and it's co- it says cleared for streaming. And they can check this box to clear it, or they can uncheck this box. And they can even uncheck the box for specific songs. Um, let's say you've got a new album out and there's one really popular song that you want people to buy and not stream. You can say, well, hey, the single, we're not going to let people stream it unless they buy it. They'll have to buy the album if they want it. Again, we're in this transitional period between downloads and streaming where not everyone is used to streaming and not everyone's prepared um, to go for streaming. You know, when you think about it, you'd be you're paying the record labels because they're the ones making most of the money. You're paying a tithe of $10 a month, um, unless you've got a family plan, unless you're a student, but basically $10 a month. And if if lots of people, let's say 50% of, of people um, who listen to music were to pay that, the record companies would be delighted because they wouldn't have to do anything. They would just be turning on autopilot and everyone would be paying all this money and they'd be getting this income and they'd be very happy with it. But we need to get to that critical mass for streaming to, to raise as much income as downloads do. Remember also that as of the last report, Apple Music had, what, 13 million subscribers? 13 million, yeah. Okay, 1 billion registered devices. So even though the number of iTunes downloads is down, it's still a considerable amount of money. And there are people like me, I suspect you, who want to own music, so Apple offers both. At this point, they're just adding features and services, and I guess they hope as they add more and more services, the income will continue to grow. And I have a couple of ideas about that, too, and I'm wondering about this. Obviously, Apple is engaged in major expansion for iCloud. 
And we have these third-party backup services, crash plan, Carbonite, all these services. So what if Apple wanted to have a time machine online backup service and you get several terabytes of storage, you pay an extra monthly fee for it. It's not the same as just getting more iCloud storage. It's dedicated strictly for backups. And Apple gets into that business. Why not? Well, uh, you and I, we've had enough experience with Apple and, and their services in the cloud to know that it's just not reliable enough. I'd be kind of hesitant to trust all my data to Apple. Um, I, I'm very happy with my local time machine backups. And I, the idea of putting all my eggs in one basket would make me hesitate. Uh, it, I, 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 th- I understand the logic, and I think maybe it, it would be a great idea. Um I think we're going to see a lot more Apple services in the cloud. But the backup thing, that's that's an awful lot of data for them to handle when they already have problems sometimes, you know, just syncing your photos, um, syncing your music library. So Right, not- but you see, that's power users. The average person, if offered that service, would be fairly likely to buy it if they're already looking at the option to do online backups. But then again, as you say, Apple needs to find a way to make it more robust. And maybe by this expansion of iCloud, they're going to have various ways of doing that. Of course, the argument is, how reliable are the third-party backup services? Well, they seem to be reliable. And the thing is, they do just one thing. They just do the backups. So they don't have this massive database and massive these massive cloud servers trying to do 100 things. And in many ways, it's probably safer for them to work that way. It's safer for us that they're working that way, that they're not involved with so many different services. Um, I don't know. It just seems that while, while it would certainly fit into Apple, and, and I could see Apple... Um, the way that Amazon sells your Prime membership that includes a whole lot of things, it includes, um, you know, faster delivery, it includes videos, it includes some music now, as well as other services. I can see Apple developing a sort of a membership that goes beyond simply Apple Music and offering, you know, maybe more storage for iCl- more iCloud storage if you have a big photo library, um, but backups as well. I can see it. I'm just not sure. I wouldn't be convinced right off the bat that it would be the best choice for backups. Well, as I said, you and I would not agree, but let's go into more of this in our next segment. We'll talk about this and more stuff. What kind of services might Apple add online? We have Kirk McElhern. He has Kirkville at McElhern.com. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to dreamhost.com radio, dreamhost.com radio. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. Would you like to receive $250 to $1,000 cash per day? Go to richmoneyrich.com. No website, no selling, no explaining. Just take these simple two steps and go to richmoneyrich.com. You can be generating cash in the next 24 hours simply using this system. Good news is it runs on 100% autopilot, and you don't need any experience to get started. It's easy. Get your share of easy riches and go to richmoneyrich.com. That's richmoneyrich.com. Go now. Brought to you by the Conservative Investor. Current returns not indicative of future results. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Kirk McElhern. And we were talking briefly about what services Apple might add. First of all, of course, with Apple Music. And I suggested maybe an online backup service, but Kirk is, and I could say the same thing, not convinced that Apple services are reliable enough at this point in time. They're already doing so many things, but Apple obviously can see a huge income base to get more money from existing customers. So if it's not going to be online backup, what do they add? A TV subscription service? Maybe, but that seems to be kind of stalled now. Well, let, let's be honest. There, there are limits as to what they can add. The TV is probably the next thing that Apple would like to add. Will they manage to convince the TV studios and networks and, and all the channels and the cable people and everyone? This is a, a, quite a big industry that there are more players in, in the in the video industry than are on music in music apple essentially negotiated with five major labels um for videos they need to go negotiate with tv networks um cable tv providers like hbo and showtime um and movie studios so it's it's a much more difficult negotiation process and possibly local stations I don't see why local stations would be affected unless they're doing live broadcasts. I don't know how this works as far as the FCC and local stations and would, would Apple need to provide public service announcements in the news if they were doing live broadcasts? I don't know. Well, I think they still have to get permission if they're going to carry a local station. Because- well, I don't see them carrying stations. I see them offering a streaming on-demand service. Right, but there was Similar one published Music. report that Apple also wanted to give you access to your local stations. And that requires not just dealing with the networks, but dealing with the local ownership. And there are lots of those. I mean, yeah. a lot of the stations, yes, they're owned by the networks, but many others are not. Yeah. Well, they could just not worry about that 
They could worry about it in the major markets, you know, the big cities, and not worry about it in the smaller markets. I, I'm not sure that the Apple TV itself is a compelling enough device for enough people that Apple could just swoop in and change the TV industry overnight. There are a number of devices that are popular, Roku and Amazon's Fire TV, etc. So I don't think Apple has anywhere near a monopoly. Remember, a Apple came into all of this with a sort of a monopoly on music because they were the first to get it right with a download store. The music industry saw how much power Apple got, and the other industries saw this, the, particularly cinema and TV. There's, I'm sure they were thinking, well, we don't want Apple to ever have this much power over us as, as they had over the music industry. So Apple's negotiating from a very different place right now. Um, in 2003, when they launched the iTunes store, they were negotiating to say, well, we're going to save the music industry. And in some ways, they probably helped slow down the decline of income in the music industry. But that's totally different now. You know, they're competing against Netflix and, and Amazon and Hulu and, and all these other things. And also the TV networks are offering their own streaming services, like, for example, CBS All Access. And they've announced some exclusive shows. There's going to be a new Star Trek show, Star Trek Beyond. It'll premiere on CBS stations, but then we'll move to CBS All Access, the streaming service. They'll also have a spinoff from The Good Wife with several of the stars of the show that recently ended its run on CBS. So they're doing this to grab a piece of that streaming pie. I didn't know there was going to be a spinoff from The Good Wife. What's it about? Who's in it? Well, okay, the one who plays Diane Lockhart? Yeah. Okay, she's going to be the star of it. Okay. And it's supposed to take place a year after. Interesting. A year okay. after the events that concluded. And what's the it called? slap on the face in The Good Wife. I didn't see the end. I didn't see the uh, So I, I watched several seasons of The Good Wife, and then I stopped, but my partner's been watching it through the end. Um, what's the sequel going to be called? I don't know what the sequel is going to be called. I well, give you the basic well, information right now. It's going to star Christine Baranski, yeah. who played Lockhart, and it, then of we'll course Kush Jumbo, who plays L Luca Quinn. She was a new lawyer who joined the series and was a uh, friend okay. of Alicia Clark. I've never Clark. seen her. Yeah. Okay. So these two will be on the show. I assume other people will as well. I just wonder that without Juliana Margulies, whether there's going to be any interest in a series of that sort. I'm just wondering because she was such the focus. Although it does happen when they do things like that. There used to be a TV series called The Closer on cable TV. Remember The Closer? Not me, no. Okay, all right. It stars a former FBI police officer. Okay, and she comes to the L.A. Police Department to head a new division. That's Kira Sedgwick play the role. That's okay. Okay, Kevin Bacon's wife. And then they introduced some new characters in the last couple of seasons and came up with a spinoff called Major Crimes. Never heard of it. With most of them, it's the same spirit. Most of the stars of the original series except the lead player stayed with the show for the spinoff mm -hmm. okay so that is about as successful as the original obviously the most popular drama on tv right now ncis is a spinoff ever watched that, that show i watched 10 minutes once 
Yeah, it's a spinoff of a show called Jag. About oh yeah, I've heard of that. About okay. military lawyers, and they brought in this crew NCIS, which is a legitimate government agency that where they investigate crimes and other things involving the Marines and the Navy. Is and they, Jag the one with the actor who played David Palmer in Twenty Four? I don't remember. The the black guy who was the president? Oh, that's the one who does the commercials for Allstate. I don't know. We don't have Allstate. Dennis Haysbert. Right. I don't remember. I didn't watch Jack. Okay, neither did I. But I think I may have seen once like a, a clip from it, and I think he was in it, but I'm not sure. It's kind of common to create an alternate version of a TV show that starts as kind of a spin-off from the original series. So, for example, Criminal Minds has tried two different versions of spin-offs. And we know Law and Order had three or four children, <laughs> things like that, tried to spread the brand. NCIS right now, there are three NCIS shows. Yeah, I... See, this isn't my type of show, this kind of, um, what's the word, what would you call it? These, these sort of cookie-cutter shows where where everything is just, you know, in 42 minutes, everything's wrapped up. Uh, we have so many good shows now, you know, longer, um, what would you call them, you know, longer story arc shows or whatever it is that I really don't care for shows like that. I mean, the well, good, what the they're life, doing... The good what, life is a bit of, the Good Wife is an exception because it was very much serialized. But a lot well, of the shows... a combination even- of the two, right? So because some of the episodes were self-contained, but there was always this longer story arc going on. Or sometimes you'd have a, a smaller story arc within the longer story arc that lasted three or six episodes. Yes, but you're seeing a lot of the series are doing that now. Yeah. NCIS had a series arc playing through the last few episodes of this year's season... Law and Order SVU has played that every so often. And the other thing that happens is the last episode of the season, you frequently have a cliffhanger. And that's fine, except if the series doesn't go on for another year, in which case the cliffhanger is foolish. But what they might do, and this is what they did with the TV series called Castle, is they film two different endings. So the series is canceled, they play ending number one. If the series goes on, they play ending number two. That way, they can kind of keep the show current and resolve itself. Let's forget about TV shows and subscription. Do you, do you remember TV. the first season of um, Twenty Four? They actually filmed two endings as well. I'm not surprised. so this. So this was when um, the president was shot, and they filmed two different versions of it: one where he died, and one where he didn't. And the reason they did it apparently was because they were shooting this in public, and there were lots of people seeing it, and they didn't want it to leak whether he was going to be alive or dead. We have Kirk McElhern. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. All right, listen up, because this is the most important thing you're going to hear all day. What if I said you could make money flipping houses without any cash, credit, or manual labor? And what if I said you could do it part-time from the comfort of your home? Sound unflippin' believable? Hi, I'm Preston Ely, and I'm going to prove it by sending you a free copy of my smash hit selling book, How to Get Rich in Real Estate. It sells online for $19.95, but I'm giving away free copies this week. To get one before they're gone, call 1-800-959-9582. I used to be so broke, I had my electricity shut off nine times. But I figured out a simple way to make money flipping houses without even breaking a sweat. Now I'm living the good life, and so should you. Listen, if you're sick and tired of stressing about money, this book could change your life. Hands down, it's the fastest, easiest way to get started in real estate. Let me prove it. Call right now to find out how to get your free book. When they're gone, they're gone. Call 1-800-959-9582. 1-800-959-9582. Join me, George Norrie, at Joshua Tree, California, June 3rd through the 6th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, a weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. Featuring Graham Hancock, Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and Eric Von Donneken, and so many more. For information, go to contactinthedesert.com, contactinthedesert.com, or 760-365-8371. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I'm a former 22-year congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I'm here to tell you about something that just might save your lives. You never know when there will be another Katrina, an economic collapse, or a serious drought. We should all have a little food storage that will carry us through tough times. I'm going to tell you about a great way to do that. A U.S. company named Harvest Right has a kitchen appliance that can help you be prepared. It's a home freeze dryer. With the product, you can preserve the foods your family loves. And the best part is the food will last 25 years and still taste great. I've tried it, and it's amazing. With a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right, you can literally freeze dry anything you eat even things like ice cream. To learn more, call Harvest Right today at 800-594-4635 or go to harvestright.com. That's 800-594-4635 or harvestright.com. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
I'm Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern, and we were talking about the possibility of a Apple TV subscription service and kind of segued into a discussion about TV series and content. So certainly if Apple were to get involved in a subscription TV service, do you think they would do like Netflix and produce some of their own shows? I mean, supposedly there's something now with Dr. Dre or something that they're doing, which has no interest for me at all. Yeah, and and they announced that, well... Did they announce it or did it leak a couple months ago when just around the time that they were filming these orgy scenes? And I found this quite surprising that the first show that Apple was producing um, was actually something that is so unfamily friendly. Apple, you know, always has to try this image, always tries to have this image of being a clean company with, you know, more or less family values. They don't let porn into the iTunes store, you know, into apps and all that. They won't even let a song called iTunes Must Die. In yeah. iTunes, that was the one from our friend Bob Levitas. They didn't accept it. They wouldn't accept it, even though it's a well, satire. Yeah, but, well, satire, you have the right, but it's still a trademark. Um, iTunes is still a registered trademark, so, yeah. The thing is that they were producing this show, which I don't know when, it, I don't know when it's going to air or how. Is it going to be visible through Apple Music because there's nothing else now um, that really doesn't fit with Apple's image? Will Apple Music be the springboard for Apple's TV production. Um, I, I have no idea. Nothing's been announced officially. No, I'm speculating here. Obviously, they want this to go through the Apple TV. But in the meantime, before the Apple TV has the sort of critical mass, Apple can't just launch one show on the Apple TV and then say, well, that's it. Um, this has to be part of a broader menu of programs. So I would think that that particular show, since it is sort of music related, will come out on Apple Music. Um and this is going to be a problem for people who have kids who won't realize about the um, parental control settings to keep the kids from seeing this show, which is apparently a lot about, which contains a lot of drugs and sex and orgies, apparently. Well, we don't know officially what's going on or how it will be offered. Let's just kind of leave it there. But right now, I don't know when they're going to introduce this because it looks like the TV networks will pass Apple by. Because they'll come up with their own services. They will join together for a service like Hulu. They'll do other things. And when Apple wants to get into that game, will there be anything to offer that's not already being offered by somebody else? Yeah, because, again, going back to the iTunes Store, when the iTunes Store came out, it had critical mass because it was the only serious player. It wasn't the only company selling downloads, but it was the only one that got it right. Now there are so many different companies, networks, channels, etc., doing video streaming, that they're not at the they're not king of the hill here at all. Exactly. So un unless Apple comes out with a killer app way to sell TV shows and films, they're gonna have a big struggle to be able to have any sort of power. I mean when you think of streaming, you think of Netflix, number one. They're the brand. Um, Amazon, you think of second. Maybe in the U.S. you think of Hulu. We don't have that here. Um, over here, we have the BBC iPlayer, which shows every almost everything that's been on the BBC for 30 days after its broadcast. Um, you simply don't... The Apple will have a lot of work to get the same sort of name recognition in video streaming as Netflix. Right. And they're going to have to have some pretty good shows because... Netflix doesn't have a lot of shows that I like, but certainly Daredevil and House of Cards and Jessica Jones and one or two others. 
And it may not seem like a lot, but you know, you can build quite a bit on that. Let's get past that and look at a few other things. Back to Apple Music. And there's a story you ran on Kirkville. Why Apple Music is so bad when the iPhone is so good. I guess that's based on a New Yorker story, right? Yeah, Ohm Malik, who ran the website Giga Ohm, um, wrote this a couple days ago on the New Yorker website, and he's pointing out that you know the iPhone is great, but Apple Music is just, and to use his wonderful example, a cluttered festoonery of features. I have a feeling he wanted to add a different word, but he didn't. Yeah, um, maybe it was a copy editor who did that. But he, he points out the fact that the, the problem is that Apple is a hardware company and that they're not good at software, which I disagree with a bit because they're very good at a lot of software. You know, the iWork apps and Logic Pro and Photos. Not everyone likes Photos, but they've got a lot of apps. But the problem is that there's just something about music in Apple that they can't get. I don't want to say they can't get right because they're close, but they just can't get it perfect. They, you know, Apple's a big target for criticism, but it's it's not wrong. The criticism about Apple Music being confusing, hard to figure out what's going on, not really as personal as it should be. I mean, I've written about how the for you part of Apple Music keeps showing me things I don't want to see. I wrote an article for Macworld recently about ways that Apple could fix Apple Music, and one of them is to fix for you. I can't tell you how many times. I have said, I don't want to see this playlist about Jimmy Iovine in the studio. And the day I was writing this article and I needed some screenshots, what shows up but Jimmy Iovine in the studio? It's not personal. No matter how much I try, it keeps focusing on a very limited subset of the music I listen to. Now, we've talked before. I, I use Apple Music on my MacBook. Um, it's a smaller library. I have a very large library on my iMac. In my Apple Music library, I actually don't have very much classical music. I think I have about 16,000 tracks currently. Apple knows what I've bought from the iTunes store, so they should have a good idea of the music that I'm interested in. And yet they keep showing me things that I just don't care about. They need to figure out a way to make it more personal. They, they need to, I don't know, it's not doing it right. Well, you think at this point that Apple spent all this money to acquire Beats Electronics, not to sell expensive headphones. No. But obviously for the music streaming technology. And the maybe they Maybe they should have thought this through a little bit better. Well, so this is part of the article um, where Om Malik points out how Apple generally wants to assume it knows how you use things. And, and it wants to show you how you should use it rather than making it more... It's a top-down rather than a bottom-up approach. Um, as he says in the article, Apple has always been and, will, and always will be a hardware-first company. That, that's where most of the money comes from. Um, the, the software seems to be second thought for these things. You know, for instance, they just released an update to iTunes. We were saying earlier, Apple Music in, in June at the WWDC. But why in June? Why not now? Why not three months ago? Um, they, they are so focused on these releases that correspond to particular milestones. So the WWDC used to be for developers, and now it's turned into an event for the public, which is it's still five days for developers, but the keynote presents new products. Um, in the fall, it's a new iPhone scheduled like clockwork. Um, I think they need to break out of this, uh, this, this straitjacket that's keeping them from innovating off schedule. 
Okay, I understand the point, and I think Apple being predictable may appeal to certain people. May appeal to Wall Street because Wall Street wants predictability. They don't want too many surprises because they can't plan for it. We've got more to come. We have Kirk McElhern of Kirkville and Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. You know about RVs, you've heard about bunkers, but surviving is not recreation. And man wasn't made to live underground. Introducing Survivalist Camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid survival bug-out house that's mobile, well-equipped, and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Go to survivalistcamps.com to learn more. That's survivalistcamps.com, providing your basic needs to survive. Survivalistcamps.com. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, 
a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to selectquote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So we have Kirk McLehern joining us for a couple more segments. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So as I said, I think the financial community wants predictability from Apple, even if they do not announce any specific products far in advance. But you're talking about the impact to customers of being unpredictable. Well, it's not so much being unpredictable, but if they have a new idea for Apple Music, bring it out now instead of waiting however many months they may have waited. Um it, it this is software. They can release an update. It's not like a, a new iPhone or a new Apple Watch. I, I think they need to I, I know that Apple's very hesitant about making changes like this, like the changes they just make to iTunes, because there are so many users that it confuses people and it increases support costs. But I think they need to learn that maybe Instead of big updates, maybe they can really smaller changes to these things. Instead of dumping everything at once, really smaller changes to Apple Music. You know, this month do this and see how it works, and next month do that, and and try a number of different things until you've found what works. Instead of just assuming that your way is the only way it's going to work, let, let it be more organic. Let people, let the users figure out how it's going to work and adapt to the users instead of forcing users to do it the way you want them to and to only change things once a year, once every two years or whatever. Well, don't you think, though, that the update 12.4 to iTunes was out of the normal schedule? I mean, it it comes in the middle of May. That's certainly not in keeping with what Apple does because you'd expect a, a new software to maybe be announced. Maybe it would be announced over at a WWDC, but Apple put it out now, maybe because of the timing, they had to get the thing out as quickly as they could to address problems with iTunes. No, I think that the reason to get it out now was to get it out so people get used to the new iTunes before the Apple Music changes come along in June. So rather than dump a whole lot of changes on people at once, they split it up into two parts. One part being the interface of the the app itself, and the other part being what's basically the website that is Apple Music that's inside iTunes. If they dumped all of that at once, uh, assuming that the changes to uh, Apple Music are substantial, then people would have been even more confused. I guess we'll see how it works out. I haven't decided whether I need to subscribe to Apple Music, I gave her the three months and realized for the last two months of that, I hardly used it, so I didn't bother. I have other reasons to spend 10 bucks. Let's go on to some other stuff. There's a story as of the time we record this show, which is Thursday, May 19th, ahead of the Saturday broadcast, that 15 years ago, the first two Apple retail stores opened in Tyson's Corner, Virginia and Glendale, California. 
Okay, it may also be that iTunes 12.4 has internal changes to accommodate the Apple Music changes next month, you think? Uh, that's possible too, yeah. But again, they could have released it at the same time. Um, you know, they often release something for compatibility when when there's a new feature, they often, you know, have a compatibility release. So um, I'm I'm not convinced they didn't have to do it that way. You know, they 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 could have released the new iTunes at the same time. Um, uh, we'll 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 find out. I just think it's you know the question of the the features and all that that make it more useful to release it as soon as possible, um, and then give people the Apple Music stuff to be confused about. Give people a month to get used to this and then get on to the next thing. Okay, speculation about OS X, or will it be Mac OS? Well, there's a lot of evidence suggesting it's going to be Mac OS, um, which wouldn't be a bad thing. It You know, it fits with the iOS and tvOS and watchOS. And it avoids, you know, we're already up to... Um, what are we? Are we 10.11 or 10.12? We're 10.11, so the next one would be 10.12. Already 10.10 just didn't just rub me the wrong way. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think macOS has a possible future. Now the argument will be whether it will be Mac all lowercase or Mac with an uppercase M towards tradition. Yeah, back in the day it was an uppercase M, um, but now everything's lowercase. But watch and and well, Apple, the, the TV OS, watch OS, iOS, they're all lowercase. But Mac is actually a trademark name, so it should be uppercased. Don't know. But but Apple can trademark anything if it's not already trademarked by something else. So it could be one way or the other. And what I've seen is Mac OS with a lowercase M. And Apple could stick with that as a new trademarking thing. It doesn't have to follow any tradition at all, except this would keep all the branding identical for operating systems. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And, and you know, when you, when you imagine a list with the four different operating systems in a column, um, it does look a little better that they have similar names um, rather than, you know, OS X standing out. It's kind of interesting because they removed the Mac from Mac OS X a few years ago, and they would be bringing back the Mac. Um, but again, it sort of makes sense to do it that way. Well, sometimes things don't have to make sense. Apple can be inscrutable. But okay, looking at OS, Mac OS, whatever it is, Mac OS 10.12, Siri is going to be a part of it. Leaked, alleged leaked artwork has already appeared that indicates that. Siri on the Mac. Well, it's a feature I won't turn on. Well, I don't really use Siri very much on um, on my iOS devices. I find it pretty useless. It doesn't work very well for me. I can't necessarily see the need to use it on the Mac, but who knows? Um, it's a tough call, I think. Now, we understand here, obviously, that Microsoft put... Cortana, its virtual assistant in Windows 10. So if Apple puts Siri on the Mac OS 10.12, doesn't that strike you as Apple possibly copying Microsoft? I mean, that's what people will say. Yeah, I don't think Apple's too worried about that because 
I, I mean, Siri did come out before Cortana. Um, so you could say Microsoft copied Apple there, but does that really matter? Well, I, I understand what's... here Apple is not always first with a feature. No, and they're very often not first with a feature. I, th- I think what's more important is the, what Google's announcement this week of a new device that works with their OK Google thing, um, where Apple would just be adding Siri to a computer. Google's added it to a standalone device, and Amazon already has, what is it, Echo? Is that what they call it, their thing? Um, if Apple doesn't have something like that, and I don't know how popular these are. I, I know some early adopters really like them, but if Apple doesn't have something like that, then they're really going to be behind, aren't they? Well, there's a big thing here about virtual reality is premiering in Google N for, I don't know what's going to stand for, Nestle. It always has to have some kind of of food kind of connection like Emma's Marshmallow. Well, like it's, can- and Ella's. it's candies, isn't it? It's candy, yes. So what's a good candy with the letter N? I think I saw something about it, and it's something that didn't make any sense to me. Okay, so it's going to be Google doesn't make any sense. No, the name didn't make any sense. That's I all. know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I will have to look up a candy with a letter N. I know Nestle's is a company that makes candy. Well, that's a company. They can't use that. Um mm-hmm. Android new name. Something had Nutter in it. Android N. Oh, uh, no. Now in public beta, Google needs your help to find a name for Android N. So they don't even have one. Well, right. I, I'm not too concerned about what Android's going to call their thing. Well, remember, the first year, lots of people aren't going to use it anyway. I should point out that we hope to have a spokesperson from Google on the show this week to talk about the IO conference, and that just didn't work itself out. That didn't get back to me in time. Maybe I could do it for next week. We'll have to see. We have Kirk McElhern. We have one more segment to do. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. 
By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. I'm Jesse Gonzalez, Vice President at Kmart. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies in the United States, or that survivors can face a lifetime of serious health problems? But you can help. Join me in Kmart for the March for Babies Walk. We'll work together to raise funds for research and programs that help the marginalized fight premature birth and birth defects and improve the health of moms and babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Purchase a ProPure system during the Crazy May sale and get a free ProMax shower filter or water filter pitcher. Remove up to 200 contaminants with the Pro1G 2.0 truly cleanable, reusable filter. We don't stretch our claims. We just deliver performance. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So other than Siri in Mac OS 10.12 or whatever it's called, what do you think Apple might add? It's not much they can add, is there? I mean, I, I've lost the interest in speculating what's going to go into an operating system because a lot of what Apple's added in recent years has been so problematic. I, I 
gave up on airdrop pretty quickly because it never worked reliable, reliably. Um, all that handoff and continuity stuff only finally started working when all of the computers and iOS devices I owned were released post that time. Um, when I had an older 13-inch MacBook Pro that I had bought in 2013, it simply wouldn't work with any of those features. And they do work well now. Um, I can, you know, use handoff. I've, I'm looking at Twitter on my iPhone and I go to a web page and I think, oh, I'd rather see that on the computer because it's bigger. And I go to my Mac and I can open it easily. And that's good. And, you know, text messages get transferred. But th these are things that took, what, a year and a half, a year to start working if you didn't have absolutely the most recent hardware. Uh, it's a little bit annoying to think of how complicated, how frustrating it is for these things, for this sort of feature, um, when you simply can't make it work. And and, and I tried, I, I went through a process with AppleCare support trying to get this to work because, you know, I kind of need this stuff to work because I write about it. And I reset everything and it was just, uh, it's just impossible to get it to work. Let me interrupt here. I was looking up candies with the letter N. There aren't that many. And most of them are product lines, not specific products, brand names like Nutella. Yeah, right? they couldn't use Nutella. And Newton's, which of course is a brand of Fig Newtons. So it yep. couldn't be Newton's, Fig Newtons, Nature's Eats. No, there aren't any that I can see. Or if there are candies with the letter N, they're so obscure, I don't know what they are. But then, you know, with Android operating systems, the first year they're out, they're pretty obscure because very few people are running them. Yeah, that's that too. Because of the way Android is, is deployed, it's not that big a deal what the name is because most people won't have it for like forever. That's right. I think that's the big question I would have asked this person from Google. Very good to have all these features. Why is it that people might wait years to actually see these features, if at all? That would be the question they can never answer because they've promised over the years, well, we're going to make it easier for people to get the upgrades. And guess what happens? Nothing. I don't see how they can make it easier in, in the sense that they're dependent on a different system than Apple. You know, obviously, the whole point that Apple controls everything and that Google can't, I don't think that'll ever change. And, well, you and, see, and Google can do something, but the way they set up the licensing... They messed yeah, it up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, for example, they could have set it up so that they feed the core software updates and the customizations are set up as separate apps. So they're fed by the wireless carrier or by the handset maker. But the core operating system, the core Android, would always be the same. And you get that core update directly from Google. And anything else would be up to the other companies to figure it out. Well, the problem is that Google allowed in the first place this situation where carriers could change the operating system and choose which features get added and which don't. That was a huge mistake. I really don't know why they would have done it that way. I guess since they don't make anything, the carriers had a lot more have a lot more power than they do um, as far as Apple's concerned. I think that's a mistake that Google at this point is not resolving very well. And certainly when you have companies in Asia using forked versions of Android, that also makes things confusing. Well, again, if they've signed on to a long-term agreement that allows the carriers to do this, they've basically made a huge mistake. That's their problem. 
Exactly. Now they can't change it. I guess they could change it for the future, but moving everybody over to this new way of doing things would be very difficult. So that's probably not going to happen. Remember also that Google doesn't make a lot of money from Android because they're giving it away. They make the money from the targeted ads, from the search and all that stuff. By the way, since you live in that part of the world, do you think the EU is going to come down and really fine Google many billions of dollars for what they've done? I don't know. You know, remember the Microsoft case back in, what was it, the 2000s? It took a long time to get to the point of actually slapping them. Um, and I don't remember that the fine was that big. W one of the bigger problems right now is the fact that companies like Google and Amazon don't pay much taxes over here. So they'll domicile their European subsidiaries in a country where they have an extremely positive tax deal, kind of like Apple does in Ireland. And they'll put all the their sales through there. So as an example, um, Amazon sells all their digital content through Luxembourg. For two reasons. One, they probably have a good tax deal, but also VAT is lower on digital items. All the other countries want their share of taxes. I mean, Amazon is selling things in the UK that's competing with UK companies, but there's no tax money going into the UK. So this is starting to change. In the UK, they've made some some changes to the laws and, and across the EU, this is going to happen. And Google, in part, is being targeted, I think, because of this, because of the amount of money they make and that they pay so little taxes. So you think maybe getting a few billions of dollars from them in fines can make up the difference? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything that suggests how much they would actually owe in taxes. But the, the European Union tends to be a lot better about antitrust and anti-competitive behavior um, than the U.S. is these days. Again, the Microsoft thing was big over here. One of the things that led to Apple removing DRM in the iTunes Music Store was because the EU was investigating the lack of interoperability. The fact that if you bought some music from the iTunes Store, you couldn't play it on other devices, on non-Apple devices. I've always been surprised that they haven't done the same thing about videos that you can buy in the iTunes Store. Because, hey, if I buy a video in the iTunes store, I can't go put it on my, I don't know, I can't put it in Plex, which I've got on a server that streams to my TV. Um, it's the same problem with DRM, yet they didn't seem too concerned about movies and TV shows. So it's kind of surprising that they pick and choose, but at least they do go after some of these big companies. Well, you have to say here, part of the problem is the licensing from the movie studios. Well, it's not licensed. I'm talking about DRM. If there's DRM, I can't take a video that I've bought from Apple and play it on another device. I can't play it on, you know, an Android tablet, for instance. The point being here is that the licensing, the DRM is set up in a way that's not cross-platform. What about a cross-platform DRM? That well, as long that as you have a proper device, you can play it with the same requirements. Well, that was the argument about music, that the DRM on music prevented you from interoperability. And if Apple hadn't spearheaded the, the movement to remove DRM from music, um, the European Commission would have done something about that. Um, so Apple fended it off by uh, getting rid of DRM at the time. I can play music from the iTunes store on any device that plays digital music files, and I can't do that with videos. I, I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff. You can find me at Kirkville, which is my website over at McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me at Macworld, where I am the iTunes guy, and I write a lot of other stuff about Apple products. You can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. That's Tech Night Owl 
on Twitter. Also check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast at Paracast.com. And this week we'll be talking with a pioneer UFO researcher, former military officer who flew helicopters in Iraq, by the way. His name is Kevin Randall. And he'll talk in large part about one subject he's expert on, Roswell, where he says a lot of the things you may have heard about the Roswell crash in 1947, well, they may not be true. Paracast.com. Also, let me tell you about our special feature of the Tech Night Out Live called Tech Night Out Plus, where we give you a special version, very special version of this show, where we take out the network ads, we give you a higher quality audio all for a very modest subscription fee, a really great way to support the show. Check out plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. So, Kirk McElhern, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.